Hello, everybody, and welcome to this very special episode of Battle Buddies. I'm Logan, your host and DM. It has been brought to our attention that uh, some people are more curious about the world that we're playing in and the characters and their background and stuff like that, because we kind of started episode one right in the middle of things. Uh, the reason for that is because uh, we recorded our first few sessions on a cell phone and we didn't want that to be your first impression of us. Uh, we've gotten a lot better with the microphones and obviously there's still a learning curve. We didn't want to release a episode with, uh, that had been recorded with the cell phone for the first thing. We do want to answer some of the questions that have been asked and so I'm here to talk a little bit about the background and uh, the world that we're playing in and then I'm gonna let each character introduce themselves and uh, talk about their background and then after you've heard from the three of them, I'll fill you in on their first mission that we kind of skipped because it was the one recorded on the cell phone. So the world that we were playing in is all made up in my head. I, I have influences from all kinds of stuff, most of it not D&D. &D. And uh, I had this idea that the players would be monster hunters and that on the surface, people wouldn't know about magic. And so... Um, that's that's kind of the main premise when we got together and we talked uh, about this campaign that we wanted to do that was my elevator pitch was you all are magical heroes but no one can know that you're magical heroes because uh, and they can't they can't they also can't know about the things that they're being saved from so um, you know they they fight these things and then they come up with cover stories and the everyday townsfolk are none the wiser. Uh, the world that we're playing in is called Orin. I've got a little bit of the creation story in poem form on the website. And the reason for that is my idea is that the world is very old. And so the information that I put on the website is about all the information that the players have. There isn't any clear cut pantheon. There isn't any clear cut uh, creation story. Uh, different races, different uh, tribes, different city states, they all sort of have their own version of things. The only thing that is known for sure is that Orin is very old and magic has been buried. And so um, that's, that's why people live sort of your uh, stereotypical medieval life on the surface. They, there's farmers and there's marketplaces and there's castles and there's kings and queens and you know that kind of setup but there isn't anything known about dragons there isn't a, a unicorn forest there's not uh, any knowledge of druids or things like that everything is pretty just normal um, with the exception of a school that has been founded to study the things that are abnormal and we sort of just refer to that as the school or the society I had that idea that it would be like the secret society. Uh, <laughs> I put that in quotey fingers and no one can see me. So, but, um, but it's the secret society because the players have the job of keeping it secret, but that's where they went and received their training. And so I really, I enjoyed the idea of having this magic school that would just be disguised as any sort of other university or library where they study stuff and they recruit players and so they have like talent scouts who go out and they look for people who might be showing signs of adeptude i don't know what the word i'm looking for is aptitude thank you <laughs> 
that, that they're looking for signs of people who um, might be strong enough or brave enough or intelligent enough to be their field agents. And so that's how the players got pulled into the campaign is um, each one of them had an encounter with uh, a talent scout of some kind uh, or they had an encounter with a magical being and that, uh, you know, kind of flags the society's alarms and they go out and they grab them and they recruit them and they train them and um, they give them their first magical items and they teach them other languages and um, all this kind of stuff. And so there's not every um, student of the society in my mind is a fighter. Um, There's plenty of them who just become researchers. There's plenty of them who, uh, like I mentioned languages, they just study things like Orcish because that's not a language that's spoke commonly. Um, they might study ancient forms of Elven or Sylvian or things like that because, again, the rest of the world doesn't really know about that. And so it's a—it's not just a battle school. It's not just your Harry Potter, you know, school for magic and wizardry. It's a—it's a language school. It's a history school. Um, there, it's there's archaeology, yeah, going on. There's lots of research, and I would say to some extent even sort of the science of magic, like how how does this work? What really makes Orin tick? Because the rest of the people don't have any idea, and these people are digging into those things. So I think that's enough of me talking uh, about the little Hornbrew world. And so um, you can always let us know. You can send us an email, follow us on Twitter. Um, Find us online and uh, let us know if you have more questions, if you're interested in hearing about more. But that's going to wrap it up for me, and I'm going to let our first player, Kayla, uh, introduce her character and kind of talk a little bit about her background and stuff like that. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or have a good sleep. This is Kayla, and I play Tilly the Tender, and I am the DM's wife. And <laughs> and I'm so glad you guys are listening to Battle Buddies. Uh, it's been a lot of fun for us to be able to do. As far as Tilly goes, she's really a misfit in her clan that she comes from. Uh, she lives on a very secluded island and fear bulgs <laughs> are all magic creatures uh but i guess that before i knew what a fear bulb like really looked like a lot of people draw them as like these humble like fat little round cute creatures and i always thought they were like these really strong like buff people and so i kind of flavored it that way because tilly comes from a clan of barbarians and uh but The one thing about a barbarian is you have to be able to rage and Tilly's rage is broken. (laughs) And because she has a really hard time hurting anything, she's really kind and really gentle. Uh, And the reason why she went to school was because she was trying to fix her rage because it made her an outcast even though she was the chieftain's daughter. They found how to make her rage at school was when one of her friends is under attack that she would uh, be able to turn her rage on them because 
something kind or someone she loves has been hurt. And so you won't find Tilly raging unless one of her companions or friends have been attacked. Uh, and so, yeah, uh, the other part of Tilly is she's trying to find her leadership role because she is to inherit the leadership position from her father someday. That's another part that she finds herself in in this mission. So what Tilly learned from the society in school was how to lead and command a group of people because of the leadership that she will need to have someday. She also grew in her languages and studied much Aquian, thus why we always talk about it. And Logan still needs to introduce a mermaid to me. Yet to happen. <coughs> Logan. And then also the academy also gave me a ring that makes me look and appear human. Uh, but when I try to go through small spaces, sometimes it's nearly impossible. And I have to do checks and stuff to see if I can actually go through. Because uh, sometimes I won't fit because I'm about seven feet tall. It doesn't physically change me. It just is like an illusion. So that's pretty much Tilly. And now we're going to hand it off to my friend Kelsey. Hey, this is Kelsey, and I played Tuli Petal Page Waywalk at the first. So Tuli's backstory is a little bit complicated. She started at a university, like not the society's university, but an actual university. She was getting double PhDs in, you know, something biological and ecological, because those are also my interests as a player. So, um, and she was working on her thesis statement. She was about a year out um, from graduating, and so she's in the field collecting different mushrooms, studying how they affect the wild um, flora and fauna around them, and she ran into a druid. And so she wanted to know, as a scientist, how do they get these plants to grow so much better? And like, what is, what is the science that they're using? And they kept trying to explain to her, no, it's magic. And she wasn't getting it until she saw one of them transform into an animal. And after that, she went home and started picking up magic here and there. And she was trying to figure it out. Like, they tried to teach her it and it didn't quite stick. And then she started kind of getting it. So she has really practical stuff um, for a lot of her cantrips, like message. That is definitely something that she would just, like, be really practical that she'd want to pick up. Mage hand to hold her mushrooms while she, like writes out her thesis statements and stuff. And as she continued to study these things, she realized like she discovered more basic level spells, like more wizardy stuff. And um, she kind of realized that she wanted to chase after this magic because it was nothing like she's ever seen before and she's very curious. And so one of her teachers at the actual university um, is Elodin and Elodin is the one that kind of gave her a recommendation. He noticed that like, you know, she could only partially get her transformations right. So he started noticing that she was doing weird magical things. And so he told her that she should go to the society and he recommended her to the society. So she dropped both of her majors and uh, much to her parents' disappointment, became a monster hunter and just simply told her parents like, I'm going to learn magic at a different school and mo hunt monsters and learn about them. 
and uh, went from favorite golden child to, oh no, what are we going to do with Thule now? And um, in school, she learned uh, she was a wizard, so she picked up all her wizard stuff from school and um, kind of finished off her druid background. So she learned how to transform, and then she really poured herself into learning spells and really found her love for magic in that. Um, in school, she, uh, she took a lot of classes on just like normal how to how to cast a spell and stuff like that but um she did not take a lot of people classes which is one of the reasons she's not the nicest person at the beginning of the campaign she's never really fit in so going on an adventure with tilly and tavin she's kind of learning friendship for the first time and kind of seeing how she plays into a team dynamic all right so that was a little bit about um Thule. And now I'm going to throw it to my husband, who plays Tavin. Hi, everyone. My name is Jono, and I play Tavin Tillabosh, the half-human hero. Uh, Tavin is uh, a guy who has one elven parent and one human parent. In the player's handbook, they would call that a half-elf. Uh, but the thing about Tavin is he thinks of himself as a half-human. So the reason for that is that uh, before he was born, his mom, who was an elf, uh, went out, left her elven clan that was secluded in the woods to explore the wide world and fell in love with a human hero. Uh, he was the kind of guy who defended small villages and slew terrible monsters and she fell in love with him, had a child with him, and eventually, um, him being a hero, his enemies caught up with him uh, and he passed away. So she wasn't able to raise the child on her own. She went back to her clan and they were willing to take her back in, but they weren't willing to take in this half-human son of hers. Uh, and so is that, at that point, she said, well, if you're not going to take me in, I'm, I would rather go out and starve, you know, than send my kid away. So there was an older uh, elven man in the clan named Owain who stepped up, said he never really liked the stuffy politics and the old money of kind of the broader elven culture and agreed to raise Tavin in exile until he was a man. So Owain raised Tavin for the first 20 years of his life. Uh, it was mostly just the two of them. Um, once in a while, they, they might have been invited to a festival or something to sit on the outskirts, but largely he was raised in seclusion with his uncle Owain and taught the art of the sword. Uh, when Tavin turned 20, he decided that it was time for him to head out and stop being, uh, stop feeling like such a burden to his uncle, because while his uncle didn't always like being in the broader elven culture, he was getting up there in age and it was getting harder for him to live out in a cabin in the woods by himself. Uh, so his uncle, uh, Owain, he called him his uncle anyways, uh, gave him his greatsword, Kendrick, uh, which Tavin talks to Kendrick and uh, it's not really clear um, whether Kendrick talks back and that's on purpose. But Tavin went out with Kendrick, started doing some mercenary work on the side, kind of making ends meet when he heard about um, a big job out in the town of Hamletshire. Um, <laughs> I read... <laughs> that is what I named my town. I was reading my original Session Zero backstory from two years ago before <laughs> while I was sitting here. So uh, what had been going on in Hamletshire is that they were losing 
crops, they were losing livestock to something that was that was preying on their animals on the outskirts of town, uh, but they just couldn't afford the price of a good mercenary until this thing started taking people in the town, and then they decided to shell out their savings and hire someone who could really take it down. Uh, so there were a group of mercenaries that met that lured this creature out um, with some old meat and started fighting it in the dark. And it was this horrible monstrosity with um, too many heads and an odd number of eyes and, and just unlike anything they'd ever seen, most of the mercenaries turned tail and ran. Uh, but it was Tavin and two people he came to call his friends, uh, McLean and Aaron, who stayed and finished off the beast. And when morning came, they saw it in the daylight. They didn't have any better idea what it was than they did in the dark because it was awful and unlike anything they'd ever seen. So because of this encounter with a magical creature, the society showed up and they offered these three mercenaries a choice. They said, hey, we're gonna wipe everyone's memories. You can either have your memory wiped, believe that you killed a big bear or whatever it was, take your money and leave, or you can come join us. And Tavin decided, well, uh, mercenary work, he'd been going hungry for a while and he'd rather keep a secret and be well fed than go back to what he was doing. So he and Aaron joined the society, McLean went off. Uh, while Tavin was at the society going through their schooling, he took a lot of classes on how to talk to people. Uh, we joke around that he was a communications major because growing up, it, he almost only ever interacted with his uncle. Uh, so he wanted to take some classes and learn how to talk to people and socialize a little bit better, which is why he ends up making a lot of charisma checks and he's really good with people, but the way he talks is kind of stiff and direct sometimes because it's not always natural for him, but he knows, he knows in his head, right, the right way to talk to people. So he has, that's why he has, uh, I think it's an expertise in persuasion. Um, that's where his greatsword Kendrick came from. And while he was at the society, um, he got a sort of magical fire opal that sits in the pommel of his sword and allows it to, you know, light on fire, because uh, that's not something it did before. So that's kind of a rundown of Tavin and where he came from. And now we're going to go back to Logan and talk a little bit um, about some things that happened after the society. Thanks, Jono. I really enjoyed getting to hear all your guys' backstories again. It's been a while since we've talked about it. I hope you listeners enjoyed getting to learn a little bit more about the characters. I think that the best part about this campaign is the three of you because uh, it's what it's what makes this whole show great. So I'm serious. I it's my favorite part. And so, uh, but I am going to talk a little bit about their first mission. So essentially, um, you heard from the players about how they were recruited by the society. Um, the society seems to have eyes and ears everywhere, and so when when something particular happens, they um, they kind of know about it. They they can send these people out to either do recruiting or, like in Tuli's case, they um, they just recommend people to the society school. You heard a little bit about all their training and the different things that they studied, and pretty much for us, that was like level one to level three. And uh, if we're going to talk like the mechanics of D&D, uh, when they graduated, they were full-fledged heroes. Um, they were given weapons and armor and uh, adventuring gear. And everybody got to pick a magical item 
you heard about the ring that keeps the fear bolt hidden and uh, the sword for Tavin. And then for Thule, did you talk about your paper? I did not. Yeah, so that's all I want to say. For Thule, uh, she picked magical paper, which um, she uses to communicate and send origami messages to people. So the first mission that they were sent on was uh, in sort of a Viking-esque uh, village. Uh, they went way up north where it was snowy and cold. They traveled with a bard named Guy. And um, Guy uh, had, he's also from the society. He is a musician, but uh, he gets the title bard because he, you know, trained at the society to actually make his music uh, magical. And he had other business to do, but he was kind of part of their caravan. So they, they traveled up north and we did, we did a session of them traveling and they fought some bandits on the road and just did some basic things like that. But when they got to the village, their mission was to investigate what had been taking their livestock. Um, and so they kind of had one day to settle in meet the villagers um, and start investigating, looking for clues and footprints and what could be taking uh, sheep away from this town. Uh, and we ended that session with a woman uh, crying out that her son had been taken. And so things escalated as soon as the players got there. And so they went with uh, a young man from the village named Bjorn, who um, kind of was their guide and, and led them up the mountain. Um, and since they knew that they weren't going to be able to do any of their magical things with Bjorn there, they, they came up with a, an excuse to send Bjorn back, I think to go get more people, more manpower. And they continued on, the three of them. And uh, they eventually found uh, a wavern. Uh, and they, uh, they fought it. And they didn't quite win that first battle with the Wavern. Tavin chose to hang onto a rope that they had tried to lasso the Wavern with. So he got carried off when the thing took flight. And Tavin got dropped into its cave um, and met the boy, um, Esbern, which is the boy that they were looking for. And Esbern uh, was a brave young lad and he kind of showed Tavin around the cave a little bit. And that's where um, Tavin discovered that the Wavern had young. And uh, the girls, uh, Tilly and Tuli, took a different route, met sort of a uh, wilderness druidic sort of man up in the mountains who was able to show them another entrance. They eventually also found the nest and, and found out the Wavern had young. And so after, after getting uh, Tavin and Esbern out of the cavern, the three of them kind of got together and decided that they didn't want to kill the Wavern uh, anymore. And so they asked the wilderness man if there would be any other options for a uh, food source for this Wavern. And uh, they spent a whole session cutting and melting ice out of a pond so that the Wavern could fish instead of stealing sheep. And they even did a medicine roll to get like a crusty eye of the waiver and all fixed up. And so rather than fighting the monster, this group decided to help the monster and help show her that she could feed her baby's fish. And um, I want to say that they even somehow like led it in that direction. You guys like, 
you, you guys did. You left like a trail of food. And they got the local, the local wilderness druid guy to take care of the rest of it from there on out. That was their first mission where I sent them to go hunt a monster and instead they befriended and relocated it and were very humane about the whole thing. They did set up an illusion of like a fiery tree and a, and a lizard up in a tree and something like that, like to show the villagers that had got there with Bjorn that they had fought and killed the beast. And so they were celebrated as heroes when they got back to the village. That was kind of their cover story is that they really did fight it and slay it and that the village would be safe from then on out. But in reality, they took a nonviolent route, which really kind of set the pace for the rest of our campaign. I liked the fact that they spent most of their time investigating, most of their time finding clues, talking to people, really getting to know the situation, and then with their discoveries, uh, coming up with the best possible solution, which isn't always fighting. And I liked, I liked that as a first arc. I hope that you all have enjoyed hearing about it. Um, you'll probably hear us reference it in future episodes as well. And so once again, I just want to say, if you have any more questions, uh, email us at battlebuddiespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at BattleBuddyPod. Check out our website, BattleBuddiesPodcast.com. Let us know. Uh, give us a like or a follow if you're on Spotify. And uh, leave us a five-star review because those really help us out a lot. We'd love to share this adventure with more people. Thank you all so much for listening. And with that, we wish you all a fond farewell. Until next time. Bye. 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 Have a good night. Bye. <laughs>